everyone, and welcome back to the Redbeard Outdoors podcast. I'm Jonathan, your host, and here at Redbeard Outdoors, I talk about faith, family, fitness, and the outdoors. And on these amazing Saturdays like today, I get to share the conversations that I have with people that that really have inspired me, uh, whether that be in faith, family, fitness, or the outdoors. One of those four aspects or all of them uh, encompassing in these people's lives because in all reality, people who are consistently successful apply these four aspects into their lives in various ways. And I love sharing those conversations with you. Of course, Mondays are my gear reviews because I got to scratch that gear review itch. I just love reviewing gear and providing good quality content for you guys so you can go out and make the right decisions with your money. And then Wednesdays, of course, a little pick me up in the middle of the week, a solo episode about whether it be a quote or something along those lines is something that I want to share with you to keep you going through the week. But man, Saturdays, Saturdays have to be my favorite episodes, guys, where I get to talk to people uh, that are in our community that just want to inspire you to be better. And uh, we get to learn from them. Before we get into this conversation that I had with Eric Chesser from Hush, I want to give a shout out to the show partners. Of course, first and foremost, First Form and First Form Outdoors. Then, of course, Alpenfuel, Heather's Choice for your backcountry nutrition needs. Go check out those companies, guys. If you're in the need of any backpacking gear, boots, glass, uh, cooking utensils, all of those things, you can find them on blackovis.com. Link down below, save you some money. Of course, all in digiscoping, best digiscoping option on the market hands down. Go check out All in Digiscoping. A3 Archery Bowstrings. Cryptech is a recent partner of the show. Looking forward to bringing things in with Cryptech. They're a great company, great individuals uh, that just love to push the limits with the outdoors and the equipment they provide. I'm really excited to partner up with them. Uh, Kestrel Glassing Systems, Quattro Archery Stabilizers, Absolute Aid CBD, and Affect Beard Oil. If you guys have any questions about any of those partners, please shoot me a message. I'd be more than happy to talk to you about them. And of course, your personal invite to join Redbeard's Fit Crew on Facebook and First Form Outdoors groups on Facebook. Those two groups are the main reason why I still have a Facebook, guys. I love the communities that are being built there. Definitely go check out those groups. And now, without further ado, let's get into the conversation here that I got to have with Eric. You guys are going to love this one because, uh, well, I got to learn some things about Eric that aren't well known, and uh, I think you guys are really going to enjoy what we were able to discuss about fitness, his journey, getting in the outdoors, why he likes to share the content that he shares, and just who he is as an individual. So here we go with Eric Chesser. All right, everyone, I've got Eric from Hush is probably where a lot of you guys will recognize Eric. But man, Eric was doing the Hush stuff long before social media, long before any type of, I guess, fame that Hush has. And uh, I just want to share Eric's story with you guys, because Eric is all about not just hunting and fishing, but he incorporates the fitness aspect of it as well. Um, He just loves getting outdoors and just kind of an inside take of who Eric is outside of the Hush crew. So, uh, Eric, I guess you in a nutshell, who are you? Yeah, thanks for having me, man. First off, uh, well, my name's Eric Chesser. I'm 
39 years old, almost 40. I'll be 40 April 1st, April Fool's Day, which is always a fun birthday to have. Everyone seems to remember and play pranks on you. Um, I'm from Utah. I've, I've grown up most of my life in Utah. There was a, a very, well, there was like 11 years in my childhood that were in California, but Utah is home to me. Grew up in West Jordan. And honestly, something about that move from California is really what got me into outdoors, got me into uh, filming wildlife and early on picking up shed antlers. Um, I was also the kid at school that had a video camera all the time. Like even from, I was either 14, 15, 16 when I got a, my first video camera back then, a little high eight Sony handy cam. So I was that kid who would be filming snowboarding, skateboarding. And then on the weekends when I can get away filming deer and wildlife and picking up antlers and really just documenting, you know, the things I enjoyed and the things I liked and really liking to share it with others. Um, fast forward to now, I've always tried to find a way to create, um, you know, a career or a life, a job out of the hunting industry. Like how can I make money doing something I love and fast forward to now, like you said, I'm a part of hush hush stands for hunt fish. We do a lot of online digital content. So we utilize all the platforms like YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and we just put our, we just document our adventures. And with that, we've been able to build a brand and kind of make this a dream life, to be honest with you. So that's kind of the short version. That's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's really impressive, you know, to see when people take their passions and turn it into a career. Um, Cause there really isn't a blueprint for what you guys mm-hmm. did. Uh, there, there's not a necessarily a, okay, you do this and then the next step and the next step, but you guys, I mean, you took a passion that you had previously, which is, is cool that, you know, it probably wasn't so cool at the time for you to always be carrying around a camera. Um, but everyone does now, right? Everyone's mm-hmm. got cameras in their pockets with phones and uh, I remember my dad growing up having one of those big old on the shoulder, basically cameras. Uh, and it was like revolutionary when the screen would be able to flip backwards. So you can oh, see yeah. what you're, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and now, it, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say it, it's come a long way and there. It's not like, I don't know if jealous is the the right word, but nowadays I'm like, it is so simple to get the content to share and put it on platforms um, social media, make it into a YouTube, et cetera. And when I first started, man, it was like a rocket science. Like how do you take footage from film tapes and put it onto the internet? And that was it. like you said, it just, it wasn't the popular thing. Not everybody had that. Not everyone knew how to do it. I definitely didn't know how to do it, but somehow figured it out and, uh, started putting videos up on YouTube in 2006 man so i was just like man there's there's no videos of like people picking up antlers and like calling elk so that was kind of my early start of sharing content and what really started with chat forums and uh doing pictures and then uh sharing videos through like short youtube videos yeah not not to mention having to kick your family off the phone line so you could use the dial up right now <laughs> the dial up <laughs> It's come a long ways, man. But you know, what's really cool is to see how many people are out there creating content. I mean, there's so much, so many cool experiences and things that have been captured because you can just pull out your phone so quickly, right? Like they're everywhere. Everyone has a phone. Everyone has a video camera anymore. 
And because of that, we're seeing like things like rare things, right? Like a mountain lion taking down a deer or just the most bizarre things you would ever think of, or an antler shedding off a deer or elk's head. Like that was once in a million that's becoming like, you see that every spring now, you know, multiple times. So it's pretty wild how far it's come. Yeah, I agree. And, and in a way it can be a good thing to get people outdoors because they're wanting to get their own footage, their own, you know, videos on their phones, pictures, uh, you know, now with digiscoping, uh, you know, it's, it's come so far and it, it, you're right. It is a simple click of a button and you can upload it to basically any platform you want, whether that be YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, wherever, and you can just share it with thousands of people. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's wild. I finally found like a little converter box on Amazon so I can take my old tapes. You got to sit there and watch them. I'm playing back, but it'll convert them into a digital file. And I've been able to share some of my stuff from like 1999. And once it got on to an SD card, just airdrop to my phone. I'm like, just blown away. And that's when I really sat and thought about how far it's really come. I could take those tapes now, convert them airdrop them to my cell phone, put them on Instagram. And that just wasn't possible before. Yeah, no. And I think you shared something. Uh, I can't remember how far or how long ago that was, but someone had mentioned something about you do it just for, just for the money. Right. And you, you posted the video of you. You were like, I did this before it was even fun or cool. It was yeah. fun, but it wasn't wow. cool to do. Yeah. When TikTok came out, I got pretty excited about that because it, it made me, and not that I'm promoting the TikTok platform, man, right now it seems crazy, right? With the China's <laughs> and the communist whole thing. But when it when I started getting on there, it was fun because it made me create content that was user-friendly on there because they don't have kill shots, right? And that stuff's what I like to share. And that's the stuff that people seem to really enjoy. But I had to start creating content on TikTok that was that followed their guidelines and it made me create content that I just would have never created without having to navigate those, those strict rules. And for a while there, I definitely got on a rant of like kind of proving people wrong. You know, like uh, there was a few videos that were like, Oh, you know, he does it for money. He does it because mm -hmm. he wants to be famous. And I made a couple of videos where I'm like broke 16 year old kid, you know, <laughs> couldn't afford gas, no sponsors, like still did it then. And there's definitely no money to be made at it then. So I'm like, how do people come up with these, uh, these assumptions? Yeah. It's just, you know, you know people just out there, they like to, they like to talk. That'd be the worst business plan ever. Like yeah. tell me someone who can just do hunting content for money and get famous and it actually worked. Like it just doesn't work. <laughs> no. And even, even knowing a little bit about your guys' backstory with Hush I mean, it, the stars aligned in a way where you guys all, you all do your own, particular thing in the team and uh it just i mean it, it all worked out you all do your own special thing that just happens to create that community that you have um so it's pretty cool to to know a little bit about that as well um so i guess what you mentioned the the move from california kind of got you into it uh but what really sparked your interest did your parents take you out hunting did like what what got you going out there for sheds and hunting so in my dad grew up in central Utah in a small town named Fillmore. And he, his growing up was like, that was the thing, the traditional general season deer hunt, their family survived on 
gardening. I mean, I know his mom, they didn't have a ton of money. So like growing their own food and hunting their own food, that was just their lifestyle. That's really like his generation. Um, so as a kid in California, he did take me on a couple hunts in California. I briefly remember we went on some like wild hog hunts, didn't know much about it. We never got one, but he definitely introduced me to camping and got me a BB gun. And I remember like going up to the lake and our Suzuki samurai and, you know, just shooting birds and whatever, you know, back then and little pellet guns. And so that got me started. And then in general, I was just a, an animal lover. Like I was the kid who watched national geographic shows, anything I can, which was mainly the lions and the tiger, you know, tigers and hyenas and the buffaloes and all that on those type of TV shows. But I'd watch and consume any content like that I could. So I just, I loved animals. I loved reptiles. I loved pets. I always had snakes. I had all kinds of pets growing up. So I just had a, a love for animals in general. So when we moved to Utah and my dad started hunting a little more because, you know, we were closer to the hunts and stuff, I started tagging along and the pursuit was always super fun. And finally I, I watched my dad and my grandpa shoot cow elk and, and the gutting process freaking, it, it just killed me, dude. Like watching them process and, you know, gut them and just, I mean, rip out their guts and stuff. I was just like a young kid, like, Oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, that, it wasn't a great experience for me. And at that point, I, I just kind of shied away from the idea of me hunting. So that got me, that led me into shed antler hunting. So not a lot of people know this, but before I ever hunted myself, I picked up shed antlers and made shed videos and went out and filmed all that kind of stuff first, and then really got heavy into the, uh, the gym and e even uh, eventually into like competing in fitness shows and men's physique and bodybuilding here in Utah. And anybody who's goes in that direction at all, you realize, you know, you're eating high protein diet. So there I was just like hoarding like Costco chicken and ground beef, still enjoying going hunting with other people as the camera guy, but not the hunter. And it was that stage of life, like 20 years old, where I was like, I am consuming and so much meat and buying so much meat from the store. And I should really like actually hunt to see if it is something that I want to do step back just a little bit from then there was a couple years where I did try archery and my theory on archery was well at least if I shoot them they run off and die you don't have to witness them die <laughs> so there was even an archery season where I got I jumped a small buck pulled back with my bow this is the old brass stacked pins that were just completely brass and I drew back on this small buck and dude, like 20 yards chip shot. And I just couldn't do it. So I let down. And then, so back to where my story just left off. Like once I decided to hunt, I, I picked up a rifle and just said, I'm going to go on a general season deer hunt, shoot a deer and just see if this is something that I want to do. So it was really the fitness side of my lifestyle. It was really what pushed me to give hunting a try. And I think I killed my first deer at like 20 or 21 years old, which, you know, is pretty late, right? Like a, a lot of kids grow up hunting and shoot their first deer at 12, 13, 14. And I meet all these kids now that have bagged an elk and a deer with a bow at 13, 14. I'm like, dude, you're way ahead. Yeah. You're way ahead of me. 
So that's kind of why I decided to, to actually hunt was to, you know, I, I enjoy the pursuit. I enjoy the antlers. Obviously I'm a big antler hunter, but I really just wanted to see if pulling the trigger was for me or not. And after that first hunt, uh, which it was hard, you know, take the life of your first animal was definitely a special moment. And yeah, from then on, man, I just, I knew that was, that was for me. And I just pushed fast forward and kept doing it. That's that awesome. I, I think a lot of people wouldn't know that about you. Cause obviously you've put down quite a few animals at this point. And, uh, I mean, that's your, that's your livelihood, right? You go out and you go on these amazing adventures that some people can only dream of. And, mm -hmm. um, and what you guys do is just, uh, you know, a dream for some people. And it's something, it was obviously a dream for you at one point, but I, I would have never guessed that you had an issue with, uh, with hunting to start out with at 20, you know? So I think that's cool. I kind of, I grew up the same way. I don't know if you watched a lot of Steve Irwin, um, but I, I used to love oh, yeah. watching Steve Irwin. Oh yeah, man. I had a poster of him above my bed and I'll tell you what, I cried my eyes out when he passed. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. And that's, uh, you know, Animal Planet was my was my go to channel. It was funny because like I would go to school and people would be talking about South Park and all this other stuff. And I'm like, uh, well, cool. Like, I, I don't have anything to talk to you guys about because I like animals. So <laughs> that's funny. That that's kind of reminds me of me in my high school stage because all my friends would agree because they'd all say this or I had like snowboarding and skateboarding. That was kind of my lifestyle. So that was kind of my style of clothing I would wear and that kind of fit like who I was. But then on the weekends, I'd disappear into the mountains as soon as I got my driver's license. And even my best buddies are like, dude, you, where do you go on the weekends? Like you live like a double life. I'm like, I go pick up antlers and I'd be so excited. Like watch these videos of these elk calling. And I just really had no friends, you know, in those early years of getting started. So I did most everything uh, solo. And I think that's why it's very normal for me, even to this day, to just do things alone. Like that's all I did. That's all I knew. And, um, you know, whether someone could take off work or not, I still went. And, uh, I think that's why I'm so used to kind of doing solo trips. Yeah, no, that's, that's really cool. Um, and that, that's, that honestly, that's a really interesting fact to know that you, you had an issue with gutting the animals. Cause again, a lot of people, especially people that maybe aren't in the hunting community would look at you guys and think you're just cold blooded killers. And, and that's, I'm it's, it's an emotional moment or even a spiritual moment when you take the life of an animal um, and just walking up on that. And it's knowing that it's not for show, you know, that you mm -hmm. guys, every time I've seen any clip of you walking up on an animal, you can tell you, you took the time to, concentrate on the fact that you were taking that life and you respect and honor the fact that, that you took that life. So, um, that's really awesome. So with, with, uh, with fitness, you know, you mentioned that you got into physique shows, bodybuilding shows. So what got you into, cause obviously you, you know, you said skateboarder, snowboarder, I assume you didn't play sports in high school or did you, did you play sports? Well, that's that, that kind of does connect some of these dots. So growing up in California, I was involved deeply in team sports. So soccer, ice hockey, and baseball were kind of my main three, right? So you, you play sports with your best friends, the kids you grow up with, and you're on teams and you're just in the mix, you know, the coaches and all that. So when I came to Utah, I was a new kid on the block. Um, 
I had no friends, didn't know the coaches. And I start, I tried to get back into some of these sports. I tried to play soccer and I just, I never, I felt like the politics of the, of what was going on at that level, like right into high school was who knows the coach and this and that. And I was just like, I'm better than a lot of these kids and you're not playing me. So bounced out of that. I started when I moved to Utah, I was actually pretty excited to be like, Oh sweet. They'll have ice hockey. Cause it's like a winter state, right? California is a summer, like a just known for warm weather. Mm-hmm. I came to Utah and there was like no, no ice hockey leagues or programs like there was in California for kids my age. So unfortunately kind of like lost the desire to play ice hockey. I did play a couple years and seasons of like roller hockey uh, in Utah. And that was fun. But the whole team sports thing just kind of fell apart right in that high school era where you should either be like going all in on, you know, being on the team or, or not. And, you know, again, didn't have friends. It wasn't the same feeling as it was growing up in California. So I pulled myself out of team sports and that's when I went into individual things like skateboarding, snowboarding, things that I can do and grow and learn on my own and not be reliant on teammates or anybody else. So same with hunting, right? Like my results will show for my work, not the other 10 people if if they want to, you know, get to my level or not. So I just, I started leaning and doing things that I can do on my own. That makes sense. Like individual things. Yeah, no, that definitely makes sense. Uh, But fun fun fact, in high school, I did try out for the uh, tennis team on the last year of my high school, so senior, and uh, I missed tryouts. But I really thought tennis was just like a fun sport. I know no training, no practice. (laughs) And the coach was like, hey, you missed tryouts. But if you can beat so-and-so, you can be on the team. So I'm like, all right, you know, put me up against this kid who's probably practiced and had training and stuff and I'd be the kid and they let me play oh, no. on the team senior year. So that was the only thing I did in sports in a uh, high school. That's awesome. And tennis is a pretty hard sport. Like, yeah, it's, it's for fun, but <laughs> running back and forth and, and, you know, make sure you get the ball just over the net and hitting in the right spot. It's a pretty intense sport. That's, that's funny though. That's awesome. So you yeah, lettered I, in tennis. <laughs> I, I, I played tennis. I wasn't that great at it compared to like the other kids around. Um, and then I got into bowling this is another fun fact. In in our school, we had team sports and we had a bowling alley very close to our high school. And one of the things is you went to bowling. So again, another another sport that is, it's just me, right? I can be as good as I can be without any other teammates holding me back. And I'm not saying that I was the greatest on my teams or whatever, but I just, I like that type of thing where my results are a reflection of my efforts, right? And nobody else's. So I did bowling in team sports. And sure enough, I was like, this is fun. So I got my mom. I remember we went to Walmart back when they would like actually drill the holes in the mm-hmm. bowling balls for you. And I got my own bowling ball, my own bowling shoes, which I still have to this day. <laughs> and in team sports, they gave out awards for highest game and highest average. And I was both, but they only gave me highest average because they wanted to give, you know, at least one more kid a trophy. Oh. And they thought that average was more impressive than high score. I'm like, that's kind of like where this whole thing started. Participation trophies are nowadays where it's mm-hmm. like, everyone gets a trophy. I'm like, back then I'm like, dude, I am the high score and I am the high average. Why are you giving the trophy to someone else? 
So anyways, those are just random facts about little odd sports that I've done. If I pick up on something, I run with it. And then I'll lose interest and be like, gone. (laughs) (laughs) So so when are you going to start shooting for the Olympic team for uh, archery? (laughs) (laughs) That's, That's one thing that, you know, we could go into more conversation on this too. When it comes to archery and even shooting rifles, for me personally, they're simply a tool. I don't really geek out on all that stuff. Like I don't, someone builds my entire bow that I trust to do it right. Someone cuts my arrows and tells me which spine I need to shoot and which grain I should shoot. Dude, I have zero interest in that stuff. So when Pete, when, when like the fitness and the archery world started to collide and there'd be these little competitions, everyone's like, Eric, you should go do the such and such archery shoot <laughs> run thing. I'm like, I mean, I can see why you would think I would like that, but I have no interest in doing that. (laughs) So the weapon is simply a tool for me to hunt. And that's kind of it. I mean, I like to shoot them for fun, but yeah, I would never have the, the, uh, like the ability to, unless I completely focused on it, but I don't have the interest. So I don't think I ever would the ability to like excel at, at archery target shooting. Yeah, they. I guess they do tinker a lot with their own stuff, and up even up there on the line, they're messing around with different things on their site, and they're doing clicks here and clicks there. I could, mm-hmm. I could see why that wouldn't be for you. Um, I think even when we bumped into each other, we were talking about your bow, and you were just like, "It's, it's great, but how <laughs> like, do you like that bow? Seems to hit the target, so I was like, good enough." <laughs> you were like, "This is the best shooting bow I've had to date. I haven't touched it uh, since they set it, it up." <laughs> If, if I would invest a little time and energy into maybe learning a little more and even a little more on technique of shooting and like, you know, getting tighter groups, I would probably be that much better of a hunter. I just, I just don't have the interest. It's so weird, man. I want one gun that shoots straight and then I want my bow and all my pins to be on. And after that, good enough, let's go. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. So where I guess fitness kind of came into this for you, was that during high school, during sports, or was that shortly after? So very active in sports through my whole childhood. So the idea of running, you know, doing sit-ups, all the stretching, all the stuff that they make you do that I think that just helped create, you know, like healthy habits for me, even as a youngster, but even going back to childhood, I was the kid that was like, Hey, you know, with my couple friends, like we should do a workout. Like let's do pull-ups on the bunk bed. We'll like use a pillowcase and like punch at it and like flex our muscles. And I'm talking like young kid and, uh, you know, being like, let's get strong, right? Like let's get the muscles. And I try to figure out why. And one of the only things I can connect was, my childhood, I was into Marvel, Spider-Man, Batman, all that fun stuff and had comic books and comic cards and they're all ripped, right? Ninja Turtles, they all got six packs. So I think that may have like influenced me to become like, to want to be like, oh, I want to be buff, right? So working out has just been a part of me. I, I, I got a weight bench and a curl bar for Christmas at like 12 That's what I wanted. So I always had a bench in my bedroom. You know, I'm that kid who's doing like 
like just doing bench and crowbar, like, and eating tuna and like drinking <laughs> water, you know, like the basics. And, uh, that led me to a gym membership, um, in middle school, there was a gym not far from my middle school and I'd have my mom drop me off at the gym before school. So I would go work out before middle school and then you get into high school and, and gym is like an actual class you can take. I'm like, this is awesome. I can take gym for, you know, a class. And even into the senior year when I had it, like open credits, cause I had enough credits, I filled those with photography uh, like more photography classes. I was the assistant to the photography teacher for a class. And then I just put more gym in there. Like, you know, so <laughs> I was that guy. Like I just always wanted to work out, which was just, you know, really helped build those healthy habits for me. Um, when I still carry those to, to the, to this day, but I was at sportsman's warehouse working just retail. And one of the guys there said, Hey, Eric, there's a bodybuilding show in like October. We should do it. I mean, I have no interest in this world at all, <laughs> other than like seeing Arnold Schwarzenegger and thinking that's pretty cool. And so I was like, okay, let's do it. I mean, didn't know what I was doing. So I bought the Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, sorry if I, I said that wrong, Our Encyclopedia of Bodybuilding. I bought that big old book, still got it in the garage. And that's where I learned, you know, all the poses and, uh, Signed up for a bodybuilding show, not knowing what the heck I was doing. And I had a, a guy at the nutrition shop build me a diet plan, which was basically chicken and broccoli, eggs and oats, <laughs> chicken and broccoli. So I just did what he said. I got pretty shredded and I competed as a bodybuilder at 143 pounds. <laughs> That's the lightest <laughs> category they had. So I did that for a few times. Um, I actually enjoyed it. Like the whole process of sticking to a very dedicated diet and, and workout regimen that built so much mental strength in me. Like when you can go through and, uh, you know, commit to something like that and push your limits and push your body and really suffer, but more, even more mentally, like you gain a lot of self discipline and self value and, and all that. So that's kind of where the whole bodybuilding competition thing came from. And then from there, I took it in a men's physique. They opened up a category that was a little more my body type. And I did that in 2013 and had a blast, which is so funny. I just had this out on, on a, from a podcast yesterday. So 2013 was the year I did uh, men's physique in Utah. And that got me the overall natural winner. And that that's was the awesome. same year I killed the fireball. So that was just a banner year for me. You know, one of those years where um, those were kind of the two big things of the year for me that I, you know, I wanted to kill that bull. I wanted to obviously win that show and I did both. That was a cool year for me. That was a fun one. Man, what a cool story. I love hearing things like that, just about people's banner years or the years where they're able to accomplish some awesome things. And we're going to keep listening to that. Uh, story from Eric, and it's just an awesome, inspirational story. But before we continue on with that story, I want to give you that personal invite to come join me over at Redbeard's Fit Crew. Uh, right there, we're building a great community of individuals that just want to build each other up, get stronger day after day, and whatever your goals may be. Currently, we're going through 75 Hard together as a crew. I love it. If you haven't done 75 Hard yet, shoot me whatever questions you got on it. And you're more than welcome to come join us. 
Of course, you'd start at day one, and we'd love to help you as we're going to be progressing through that as well. If you're not interested in 75 Hard, no biggie. I'd still love to have you in the crew. Come join us. And of course, join us over at First Form Outdoors as well on Facebook. Let them know Redbeard sent you and uh, join in that great community of individuals that just, again, want to live a happier, healthier, more successful life. And as Jake would say, and the whole thing behind First Form Outdoors is to experience more. So definitely go check those two groups out. Now, let's get back to the conversation with Eric. That's amazing. That's really cool. And for, you know, a lot of people out there that think about, you know, bodybuilding and physique shows, et cetera, um, some people can can take that as, you know, the the people are cocky or narcissistic. And I hear that a lot. And, uh, and especially when I talk to people about working out at the gym, they're like, well, I'm not trying to look like, you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger or, or whoever they refer to. And, you know, I think it's cool that you brought up the fact that there's the mental fortitude that comes behind it. It, it very much translates to your other passions like chasing elk or chasing deer mm -hmm. or, you know, going out there and hiking for miles on end, not knowing if you're ever really going to see anything. And mm -hmm. that, that definitely translates because, you know, I've never done a competition, but I I've seen people that have gone through it and I can understand when you're having to tell people I can't eat this or I can't eat that. It looks delicious, but I can't because of this goal that I have in mind. Mm -hmm. It definitely takes a lot of strength and a lot of mental fortitude for that. Oh yeah. There's crossover for me. And in my situations, I, I always say the only reason I killed that bull was because I put myself through that. This, the fireball for anybody who knows the hunt, it was not a physical hunt. I didn't have to scale mountaintops and sleep in the dirt and, and do a lot of the stuff I've done on other hunts. That was more of a mental challenge than anything, especially after hitting him the first time, right? And having to to ignore the outside pressures that I should go hunt other elk, that I need to leave the areas just like a diet. Hey, why don't you just eat a pizza? Why don't you eat a cookie? And you're able to just put up your walls and build yourself boundaries and stick to them. That's the only reason I killed that bull because mentally I just, I believed in my heart and soul that that elk would come back. He's very old. He's habitual. And this is where he lives. Like just, he's not just going to like find a new home. This is his home pretty rotten. It's the mental strength that got me through that hunt. And, uh, years ago, it's been a couple years. They asked me to participate in this elk summit up at snow basin. And I was pretty honored because my first answer was like, what, what the heck do you want me to teach anybody to hunt elk? Like, <laughs> you know, you got Randy Newberg, Ryan Carter, uh, who, uh, Gritty was there, Brian Call, and who else was there? Corey Jacobson. I'm just like, you're going to throw me in the freaking lion's den with like these guys <laughs> that, you know, have been doing all this stuff a lot longer than me. And I kind of knew, I kind of had an idea of like what each of them would want to teach about. And after thinking about it for a minute, I'm like, the only one thing I think I could offer a class is how to stay strong mentally out there because we all have been in those moments hunting, whether it's elk or deer or anything, where you just, you count yourself out. You're like, ah, today sucks. It's windy. Or I'm tired. I'm going home. You, And it's that mental strength that you need when you're on the mountain to just push forward and, and persevere. And that's going to create those opportunities like so. 
So that mental game, man, it's, it's underrated and, and really not talked about enough. Exactly. Exactly. No, I, I definitely agree with you on that. Cause um, being new to Western hunting, I I've only been out here maybe, I don't know, actually hunting six years, but especially archery hunting the last two and a half years. Um, there's, it's not spoken about enough, but there are definitely some key people that, that I look to that have been through a lot more hunts than me, have more experience, such as you or Dan Staten, uh, that mm-hmm. have just, they just grind through that moment of, well, I want to go back home to my family or, you know, I want to go take a bath or a shower in, you know, and sleep in my own bed. Um, yep. you know, I'm hungry or I'm tired or the elk aren't cooperating all the things that can come in, uh, during, during a hunt. And it's, it, it, it's definitely an underrated part of hunting that a lot of people just don't even know. And I think it's because a lot of people don't, aren't willing to put themselves in those situations. They just look at hunting and they're like, well, you know, archery hunting 10% success rate, you know, most times. And, uh, and they just accept that instead of trying to become part of that 10%, you know? Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, they basically have counted themselves out before they ever gave themselves a true chance. And that's just in general in life. I think like the mind, man, it is so powerful manifesting, visualizing, you know, I know enough about you to understand that, you know, and practice some of these type of things, but people who are weak in the mind, that's just, they've, they've just counted themselves out, you know, and that's too bad. Yeah, exactly. There's a, so I don't, I haven't watched a lot of it, but I watched um, parts of the, the season of alone uh, where the guy, I think he brought like a trad bow and he killed a moose or something with it. And then he had to kill a Wolverine because the Wolverine was eating all the fat. Like he had a yeah. savage season and it was uh-huh. funny. Cause you know, I watched the first like one or two episodes and you can already tell from the very beginning, the people that aren't going to last because mm-hmm. one of the guys was talking crap about all the other competitors. He was so focused about everyone else. He ended up breaking his own ankle after like day three or four. And then there was other people that were talking about their family and how their family is motivating them. And I'm like, it sucks to say it, but you're not going to last because your mind's already back home. And the guy that ended up winning was between him and this one lady. And the one lady was like, I'm just fine being out in nature. I love it. Right. You tell she was just carefree, whatever. And then this guy, he was like, you know, I'm going to win. I'm going to do this one day at a time. And he literally, he took it one day at a time. Right. And uh, I mean, it was, it was cool to watch him you know, going through it. And you could, you could just tell the mindset of the people as they're going through it, who's going to last the longest. I can't remember how long he lasted. It was like, like 60 days or 70 something days, something like that in freaking the Arctic wilderness. <laughs> it's just know. crazy. Isn't it wild? Do you think you could do it? Mm. Um, I'm not there yet. No, I don't, I don't think I, <laughs> you know, I definitely don't think I could do that. It's not my style. Yeah. Even now watching his videos and stuff, he uh, he's very lightweight packer. Like he does everything traditionally, like makes his own arrows. Like he is extremely mm-hmm. survivalist and I'm not, I'm not there yet. I love hunting, but I'm not, I'm not there. <laughs> yeah. I, I always try to think like, man, would I even stand a chance out there? And sometimes some of the things they build, like the survivalist guys, I'm just like, dang, dude, I don't know if I have that, like. You know, engineering like mindset of how to build these certain things or tools or their house or whatever 
But uh, if I, I would have to be a single man, like super like mentally zoned out, because I can be alone, that's fine. But uh, like you said, some of these guys, it's their family, right? They miss their kids, they miss their wife or husband or whatever. And I think that would get to you, like kind of that FOMO, fear of missing mm-hmm. out. Like what's going on back home? What are my friends doing? Like, man, this sucks. Like <laughs> <laughs> It's just a little cold. Like yesterday after I, hunting all day and having frozen feet you know it was nice to come back and have a warm bath to warm up to because <laughs> yeah right <laughs> um but no i definitely you know, no go ahead i was just gonna say my mindset like on some of these hunts if i know a hunt's like five days that's what i tell myself you mm-hmm. suffer for five days it's gonna be over like go sleep in the snow go hike in the snow like whatever it is like it's gonna end in five days you know so that's like my favorite mindset going into hunt is just remembering like it's going to end, you know, you're going to be cold. Your toes are going to be numb. You might have to sleep in the cold, but it's going to be over. You're going to be home in the hot truck. You're going to go to the closest burger joint at the bottom of the hill. Like it's going to end. And this, that's, that's what allows me to like tell myself just suffer for five, six, seven days. Like who cares? It'll end. Yep, exactly. And it's just having that, that one day at a time mentality, just take it that way and uh, not letting yourself give up before then. Um, mm-hmm. and just having the right, the right motivations for sure. I, you know, I joke about it too. Cause I was like, it's cool that he killed a Wolverine, but sometimes I have a hard time getting up in the middle of the night because my kids need something. Like I can't imagine <laughs> yeah. getting up and be like, I'm just going to, you know, butcher this Wolverine cause he's taking my food. You know? <laughs> yeah. Having to protect your food source mm-hmm. in the middle of the night, dark, no headlamp, yep. just out there going after a Wolverine. Like that's, that's, that's just crazy to me. It's wild. But, uh, yeah. So, so that's definitely the, the mindset is, um, it's very key when it comes to outdoor stuff. And, and what's sad is I, I kind of have this prediction that a lot of people, cause you know, you hear about all these people that are getting into the outdoors since COVID, I have yep. a feeling that there's going to be a drop off of people after another year or two, just because people are going to realize they don't get to, you know, kill an animal every single time they go out there. And, yeah. and I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm worried about that in a way because I want people to continue to, I want the community to continue to grow. And I'm, I'm just trying to find ways to encourage people that, well, maybe you don't enjoy hunting as much because you thought one thing from watching YouTube or, uh, yeah. whatever videos, but keeping people in the outdoors, what are, you've mentioned a couple things, you know, with shed hunting, uh, hunting in general, but you know, snowboarding, skate, uh, skateboarding, do you still snowboard and ski? No, I got friends knocking on my front door this year, bad, like worse than ever. We got early snow this year in Utah and I've got friends who still do it that are just like, come with me, come with me. I heard Alta about like, 47 inches last night. Oh, I'm sure it's awesome up there then. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything anymore. I don't have a pair of like ski gloves, which I have some hunting stuff, but I don't have goggles. I don't have board bindings. Like once I grew out of that last set, I just never reinvested any money in it because it's so expensive to even do a day pass anymore. So yeah, I get, I've just moved my time and energy into hunting, right? Like, so I don't ski, I don't snowboard or I haven't. So what do you, what do you do in the off season? I mean, I know you guys, again, you guys have a lot of opportunities where you probably get to hunt a lot more than most people, but what do you do in the off, in your off season when you're not able to get out and get after animals? So like 
my season ended in like November 20th. I have one more hunt coming up at the end of December, 1st of January for elk. But in, so from then to now, I would typically travel. I would, I would want to find myself in Texas or Hawaii. I just, to just get out of the cold weather and go do something fun, keep me outdoors and keep me active this year. I didn't do that. So I have been home during, you know, Christmas rush. I've just tried to, uh, work, put in extra hours, uh, selling my dog shoes and honestly take advantage of the Christmas rush, you know, and the, try to meet the demand of, uh, people who want to buy them for gifts. So in the, in the winter, like I used to really enjoy the whole go scout and watch the winter animals. And I would scout where I wanted to shed hunt. I've kind of lost the desire to do that. I guess just cause I go so hard all through the fall that when I'm home, I actually do appreciate a little bit of relaxing and recovering, but yeah, the winter months, I would, I would, I just continue to find opportunity. And for anybody who is a hunter out there, a new hunter, there truly is so much opportunity. If you just are, you know, if you have the time to travel and go to different States, but there's whitetail hunts that are still going on right now. There's late season extended archery hunts that are going on in many States um, Texas is always an option. Uh, they got exotics and things that you can hire year round. So I like to just try to find opportunities like that, but I haven't done that since my last Utah hunt. I am itching. Like I am texting my friends daily lately. Like, what are you doing? Like, let's go on a trip. So I'm just holding tight until after Christmas and I'll be hunting elk again soon. That's awesome. And but, where, awesome. where's that hunt again? Uh, so this is a late rifle Arizona bull elk hunt. So I'm pretty excited. I think it has potential to, to, to produce a big bull. I got five elk tags this year. For those who follow me know that I did the whole five for five. And this is the last hunt of the season for me for elk. But yeah, outside of that, in the downtime for me being December, January, and February, man, I just hit the gym hard and eat, eat a ton of wild game. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I know you've got some plans to get, uh, to get shredded again after your 40th and, uh, yeah, make, it, so, uh, make it a good year. Yeah. I'm, I try to do it every summer, just get in really good shape that it puts me in position to start my hunts out in really good condition and a really good cardio shape to, you know, just, I want to be able to go wherever, wherever, right. I want to see an elk over there and be like, yeah, let's go and have no physical limitations, but being 40, I was like, I'm going to step it up a notch and I don't know how much leaner I can necessarily get from some of the summers I've done, but, uh, I'm like, man, even if I got to suffer a little bit, like I did in the competition days, like I want to push myself just to like, again, challenge myself and prove myself like, Hey, I could still do this, you know, even though I'm 40, yep. which is weird. Exactly. Like the word 40, I don't feel 40. <laughs> I don't know feel like, I don't feel 40. Yeah, I was just talking with a buddy of mine where I, I was like, I hit 30 this year. And I remember thinking my uncle was old when he was 30, you know, oh, yeah. seeing him being like, man, you're so old. And now I'm here. I'm like, I'm just getting started, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's a, I have the same story. I remember asking my mom as a kid, how old are you? And she was 31 being like, wow, you're a grown up. You're a grown up, right? Like, that was now nice I'm putting it. <laughs> Gosh, dang. So, yeah, we got to stay in shape, man. We got to. I don't know. I just, I like to live a healthy lifestyle so I can just fully enjoy the things I love, which is hiking and hunting. Exactly. Exactly. If I didn't so, have my health, like, that would, 
Like what would life be without health? Exactly. Exactly. And again, that can, that can vary for a lot of people, you know? Um, and I always say this when I talk to people, I'm like, what are your goals? Like for you, obviously you want to, you want to look good, but also you want to feel good when you're in the mountains. You, you mentioned mm-hmm. that not having those physical limitations, then you've got the grandma or grandpa out there that just want to be able to get on the floor with the grandkids and not be in pain mm-hmm. and not struggle sure. getting up. Right. And so I've found that it's definitely a lot easier to maintain rather than, you know, maintain a certain level, right? You don't want to stay nine, 10% body fat year round yeah. because that's dang near impossible. You're going to be suffering a lot. You're not going to be a good person to be around, to be honest with you, because you're going to be angry all the time. Yeah, yeah. exactly. But uh, so, I mean, what are some, what are some ways that you, you find to stay active and outdoors? I mean, you mentioned traveling, but then to get out in the warmer weather, but what are some ways that you, you do that when you're not out hunting? I mean, shed hunting is my biggest thing that gets me out, out, outside of the hunting season, like just hiking for antlers. And it's a way more physically demanding than my hunts because I'm going morning to night like this running around where, you know, hunting, you're getting to a high point you're staying there for a few hours and then you hike down. And so, yeah, shed hunting keeps me active. And that's, that's what usually tees me up to get in really good shape for the summer months is I seem to burn a ton of calories and drop body fat through my shed hunting months. Uh, and like I said, it puts me in a good position to get in really good condition for the summer and then into fall. But yeah, shed hunting is it like shed hunting is really it. Like outside of that, when I'm home, I'm just kind of indoors through the winter and getting ready for expo season and, and running the businesses that I have is, is really demanding for my time. And it doesn't consist of like going, like I, Cut and sand dog chews outside, but it doesn't really get me out, you know? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for me, it's shed hunting, uh, shooting my bow, even if that's just here in the backyard. Um, I do a little bit of fishing if I get the right invite, you know, if someone's got the right setup and they got the right gear and I don't have to worry about any of that. I like to go fish, <laughs> but yeah, for me, it does really come down to trying to just travel and, and, and find new opportunities to, to hunt and find sheds. Gotcha. So you don't, you're not the guy that ties his own flies and. <laughs> no, like fishing is, fishing is like low, low priority. Tying flies is like even lower than that. Cause even <laughs> if I do fish, honestly, I kind of like the whole lure style bass fishing, uh, sea ocean fishing where, you get to imitate something out there and feel the strike, you know, fly fishing for me, you don't really, unless you're streamer, you don't really feel that strike. I like, that's the rush for me for fishing is like throwing out a spinner bait, reeling it in and just, (laughs) so yeah, no, no time flies in my free time. If I got free time at the gym working on or working on business, you know, backend stuff. I hear you. No, I was just messing with you because you were like, I don't even like to tinker with my bow. So I'm sure you love tying flies, right? That's definitely <laughs> not a guy tying my own flies. Though I did when I was young. Mm. Funny story. When I was young, I did get into fly fishing there for a second. And I did learn the basics of tying a fly. Like I knew, I understood like the basics, right? Sometimes it's a feather or it could be deer hair. So we were actually fishing next to my friend's farmhouse the river came out of it in up in duchene out of uh, starvation and i was sitting there fishing with like a worm or a spinner bait i can't remember but seeing all the fish at the top 
And I was like, man, they're eating flies. And I had none, but I was like, there's a deer mount in my friend's cabin. So I went and tied deer hair with like a piece of a feather I had, I found outside and just, and dude, the thing was so big by the time I was done with it, like it was giant. So I tossed it out there with the bobber, boom, dude, like hooked up on this big old trout. And that was pretty rewarding. So for those who like to tie flies, do their own arrows, and then see it in action. Like I, I could totally understand that process of that, how fulfilling that can be. Um, so yeah, I caught a fish on a, a fly I tied once. That's awesome. That's really cool. So <laughs> I, I guess I, I want to ask you someone who's big into shed hunting, because for me, I just look at it like, I, I don't have the time for it to be honest with you. Maybe when my kids get older, um, we'll get out and we'll go shed hunting, but I wouldn't even know where to start. Like sometimes they look so much like sticks, but what, what's the, um, I guess, what's the draw for you? So going back to when, when my dad would bring me from California to Utah, uh, again, just loving animals and, and seeing TV, seeing them on TV, there was a four by four rack at my grandma's house above the laundry. And I was just like, thought that was so cool. It's a piece of an animal. It's antlers like that. So cool. I was like, Hey dad, what's, you know, what's this? This is just when I was young. He's like, Oh, that's my very first uh, buck I ever shot. It's the only rack I ever saved. So I was like, well, can I have it? Yeah, you can have that. Like no big deal. So I always had this four point with eye guards, like a 145 buck from my dad. And I just, I just, those were so cool. I don't know why, like I was just drawn to them and fascinated by them and learned that they grow and shed each year, you know? So back in the days I had all the questions like dad. So like, does a deer get a, a one more point per year? And I remember him saying, yeah, like, you know, he's probably just like trying to brush me off. Like, yeah, they get one more point every year. It goes from spike. I thought it had to go from spike 2.3.4 mm-hmm. point, right? Like it just every year got another point. So I was always just thinking antlers were pretty cool. And then I was on a, an elk hunt in Idaho at 12 years old. And I was with my dad's buddy. We split up. I went with my dad's friend and we were sitting there posted up on a ridge. And, you know, we had a Canyon across from us and he goes, Hey, look over there. I think that's a moose antler. And I didn't know much about it back then, but I remember looking in the binoculars. I was like, yeah, that's definitely a moose antler. So we went and picked it up. I mean, and that thing was a, a, a nice Shiras moose paddle. We walked up the ridge and I was standing on an anthill. I was just short, oh, you know, no. just a 12 year old kid. So I stood up on this anthill to kind of like get a view. And he goes, wow, the other side's right there. And he, right in front of me, again, I didn't know what I was looking for. I wasn't necessarily looking for it, but we had this match set of moose antlers. And from that day, man, from that day on, I thought shed antlers were the coolest thing in the world. And that's what I did from 12 years on. And, even in my 16th birthday, uh, that's what my, I wanted for a birthday present. I just said, well, I just want to go look for deer antlers. And I don't know. It's something about them to me, even at a young age, just fascinated me. Hmm. And I thought they were so interesting. And the fact that you can go look around and pick them up and there's no limit to them, right? If I go on a shed hunt, you go on a hunt, you get one elk tag, you shoot one elk. And then it's over, but shed hunting is never over. And I can find as many as I'm willing to work for. And it goes back to that. Like, I like things that I challenge myself and my results are a reflection of my work ethic. And so shed hunting is that to me, like 
well, if I'm going to go out there and suffer and hike in 10 miles and sleep out there for three days and get a backpack full, like that's fun to me. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. I definitely don't have that, that draw (laughs) because it just, that doesn't click with me, but I do think it's cool when you build, you know, you've got all those antlers in your, in your garage and you build up the, the Christmas tree. I think that's pretty awesome. You know, that that's a lot of work. And I, I, when I look at that, I think that is a lot of work because I know just from how much time I spend out in the mountains, I'm just like, I have maybe found one or two, obviously I'm not actively looking for them, but I'm like, for you to go out and how many miles you have to put in, like, that's what, when I see that tree or all the antlers you have in your garage, I just look at it. I'm like, man, that's a lot of, that's a lot of time and a lot of miles put in right there. I know. And that whole stack of my keep, what I call my keeper pile, those elk antlers, dude, I can, I have a photographic memory with antlers. It's pretty wild. Like if I just see an animal once and it's got something of character, like it's just, it's in my head forever and I can recognize that forever. So those, that whole stack of antlers, like I could pretty much tell you where I found them, what they were laying like. And uh, I always remember joking, like, why can't I have that memory for like learning something like in school or like doing a test, (laughs) you know, but I just don't, but I have this, I have this ability to recognize antlers like crazy, whether it's, you know, I could, I could see something on social media, like just recently, Con Rollins, Connor killed a giant bull on the Wasatch front. He showed like a sliver of the back end. And two days before that, my friend was just sending me pictures of bulls he was looking at. And that's all it took. All I saw was like this much of the antler. I was like, boom, mm-hmm. that's that bull that uh, such and such texted me two days ago. And I sent it to Connor. I'm like, is this your bull? He's like, yep. I'm like, dang, I, sometimes I even surprise myself. Yeah, no, that's pretty <laughs> impressive. That That's a pretty cool skill to have. I definitely don't. I don't have that, <laughs> but, um, that's awesome, man. So I guess, you know, I've, we've, we've been on here for an hour and I promise you an hour. Um, I know we've got stuff. We're both going out to go do It's my daughter's birthday today. So I gotta, I'm going to go take her out for lunch, cool. but, uh, yeah. um, what, I mean, I guess anything that we haven't covered that you'd like to listen or to leave with the audience, um, as far as you or whatever, I mean, as far as getting outdoors is concerned. Um, just outdoors or life in general, we're coming to, we're coming to the end of another year, right? We came out of a few hard years. Like these last few years have been really hard for a lot of people. I've been fortunate enough that my business has been successful and it's mostly digital content and stuff. And it hasn't really changed a lot, but uh, one thing that's helped me this calendar year that I need to get back on the train of is self-development uh, so as a, as we're coming to the end of the year, for anybody who's thought they want to improve their health, they want to get into hunting, they want to start a new hobby, they want to start that thing they've never tried, um, working on self-development type of stuff and, you know, self-growth is so valuable. It's so valuable. You can never... You're never going to regret working on yourself. So if you're in a position where you want a different job, you want to start a new hobby, you want to lose 30 pounds, it's time to really sit down and get serious about it. Because I'm a positive person. My mindset is kind of wired that. I've been very lucky that way. But this year, I put myself through a self-development course and I actually sat down, right? And you really start to think, what are your goals? What is your perfect lifestyle look like? What 
And that could go as deep as you want to take it in any category. Do you, how much money do you want to make a year? What do you want to look like physically? What's your relationship like with your family or your spouse or your kids? What's your business idea? Sit down, build yourself a, a vision board of what that looks like. Look at it daily and start chipping away. Because like you said earlier, it's about daily habits and just making small progress that will ultimately add up to something great over time. So yeah, that's what I'd say to anybody, man. It's, it's, there's never a bad time to work on yourself, to invest in your own health, whether that's mental or physical. I think a lot of us have strengths in certain areas of life, right? There's like the buckets they talk about, like relationships, finance, health, uh, spirituality, right? They have these buckets they speak about. And I think all of us have strengths. My strengths were fitness and health. I'm like, I do these automatic. I eat pretty healthy and I work out daily business business for me. Luckily, the way it's gone has been pretty automatic, but you know, I was suffering in relationships and, and stuff like that. So just take action, you know, for anybody, my message would be to just stop thinking about it, whatever that is on your mind. And we all know what it is. You don't got to think about it. If it's on your mind, take action, sit down and, and actually make a plan for whatever it is that goal you want to reach and start making changes. That's it. I appreciate that. Yeah, no, it's definitely, definitely never a bad time to start working on yourself. And it's cool that you sat down and, and took a course um, vision boards. You know, I've got mine sitting right there that I look mm -hmm. at every day right here by my desk because it's uh, it, it really is a powerful thing, you know, and visualizing what you want for some reason that you could call it God, you can call it karma, whatever uh, manifestation, but you yeah. attract what you're constantly thinking and, and looking at. So um, that's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. Thanks again for your time today, man. Absolutely. Um, where can people find you? I know a lot of people obviously know about Hush and, and you. Yeah. Where can people find you? So we've got the Hush platforms. If you search Hush in on YouTube, that's where you're going to find all my outdoor related content. I've got personal pages. Um, and on Instagram, it's Eric underscore Chesser. I share a lot of my hunting stuff on there. And then, you know, a lot of my daily random nonsense on the stories. And then I have like a little small YouTube channel that I put up videos when I can and have time. And it's just under Eric Chesser as well. So search my name. You'll find me. Awesome. Yeah. We'll leave the links down below guys for you to go check out Eric's stuff. And if you want to get into shed hunting or hunting in general or fishing, they've got great content over on the hush platform and mm -hmm. uh, definitely go check them out as well. And like I always say, guys, get out live your life and love it. All right. Another great conversation in the books, guys. Hope you enjoyed this one. Got to see a different side of Eric that may not appear on YouTube. I loved having this conversation, get to know him a little bit more and uh, hear his amazing stories. He's got so much experience under his belt. And what's even cooler is that he would do this without social media. He's one of those guys that puts it out there, not for himself, but to share knowledge and experience and fun times with others because like i said and like he explained he was doing this well before social media for his own sake and off on his own not trying to show off to anyone else i think that just goes to show the kind of person that he is and that he would do this uh, with or without social media so definitely go give eric a follow guys uh, go check out the hush platform check out some of their most recent hunts in Eric's pursuit of five for five on the elk and uh, definitely have a wonderful 
rest of your weekend. Spend time with loved ones. Get outside as much as possible. And of course, live your life and love it.